Colleen Zhuen, boys and girls, and all of our glorious sponsors who were kind enough to give us the means to give you this show tonight. So let's rev our engines and see who will be dying tonight in a shower of blood, bullets, and fire. Greetings and welcome to Checkpoint Gaming. With a series of episodes, we will be going over how to play the game Gaslands Refueled. With Gaslands Refueled, which we'll be referring to simply as Gaslands from now on, was created by Mike Hutchinson and published by Osprey Games. With this episode, we will be covering and consolidating the basics of gameplay for Gaslands. With the rules of Gaslands, there are two types, general and specific. With general rules, they address high-level concepts of the game, whereas specific rules will address particular aspects of the game. With that established, there is a possibility that specific rules can conflict with that of general rules. When that situation occurs, the specific rule will overrule the general rule. It is also possible for multiple specific rules to occur simultaneously. If this occurs, then the controller of the active vehicle will decide the order of operation. With that said, it is possible for a rule to be confusing, unclear, or otherwise conflict with the other rules. When this occurs, there are means for you to resolve the situation. First, you can carefully and thoroughly read the rules. But if that doesn't resolve the situation, then read the pertinent sections that are pertaining to the confusion at hand. But if that doesn't help, then you'll have to apply the rule of carnage. With implementing the rule of carnage, you will need to decide on the outcome that will cause the most amount of carnage for everyone involved. With gameplay, it is done in rounds with each round divided into six phases. With these phases, they are known as gear phases and are numbered one through six. When it comes to resolving these phases, they are done in ascending order, starting with gear phase one and ending in gear phase six. In each phase consists of three steps, movement, attack, and wipeout. First, there is the movement step where the player selects and places a movement template, rolls skid dice, and then moves the vehicle to its final position. With the movement template, it is a template that you lay down on the play area and use to move the vehicle from one location to another. With the skid dice, they are the means by which you upshift, downshift, or otherwise alter the movement of said vehicle. With the final position, it is where the vehicle ends after completing its movement step. With the skid dice, the maximum number allowed to be rolled for any given vehicle is printed on the appropriate record sheet, though the base number is determined by the vehicle type that is selected. Next is the attack step, where the player declares his or her target and makes an attack. When making an attack, the standard six-sided dice are to be used, with the number of dice rolled being determined by the weapon in question. There are certain rules associated with each weapon, so some variant exists with the attacks. Finally, there is the wipeout step, where the player checks if the vehicle he or she is controlling has six or more hazards. If it does, then it wipes out. It is also possible for more than one vehicle to wipe out during the wipeout step. If more than one vehicle wipes out during the same step, then resolve the active vehicle first, then resolve any remaining wipeouts in a clockwise manner. With moving the vehicles, players alternate moving a single qualifying vehicle until all vehicles have activated. If the player has a qualifying vehicle, then the player must activate it, not being allowed to pass. If a player has more than one active vehicle, then said player will choose which vehicle they want to activate first. 
Well, if the player has no qualifying vehicle, then the player must pass. After all qualified vehicles have activated in the given phase, then proceed to the next gear phase. This process will repeat until all vehicles activate in every applicable gear phase. With each gear phase, it starts with the player in pole position. With pole position, it indicates who goes first for any given gear phase. This player will activate their first vehicle. From there, activation will typically proceed clockwise. The scenario being played also determines which player starts with pole position and when pole position will pass between players. Once all players have passed consecutively, then the current gear phase ends and the next gear phase will begin. When a round ends, then begin the next round in gear phase 1. This will continue until the end condition of the selected scenario has been met. If you're playing with the audience votes, then the players will be given the chance to spend them before passing. This will give the player a chance to get back into the game. To qualify for activation, the vehicle's current gear will have to be equal to or greater than the current gear phase number and has not activated in that given gear phase. When checking to see if a vehicle qualifies for activation, the player does so when they have the opportunity to activate, not at the start of the round or gear phase. When the player changes gears in an earlier gear phase, it will allow the vehicle to activate in later gear phases. When wipeouts that happen before the vehicle activates can cause the vehicle to miss its activation in a later gear phase. When the player has the opportunity to activate, they must first declare which qualifying vehicle they will be activating. When the vehicle is activated, then it is referred to as the active vehicle. After declaring which vehicle will be activated, then perform the phase steps. And it doesn't matter which vehicle they choose to activate, as long as it meets the requirements for it to be activated. With each vehicle, it can have a gear value found between 1 and 6, with the vehicle's current gear never exceeding its maximum gear. In addition to this, all vehicles start the game in gear 1, which also extends to when the vehicle wipes out. When it comes to keeping track of your vehicle's current gear, you use any means you wish to do this. Also, do not reset the vehicle's current gear from round to round. This is because all vehicles begin each round in the gear that they ended with the previous round. When it comes to battle hazards, vehicles gain them when they change gears, spin, slide, and any other effects found within the game. Use any means you wish to keep track of that vehicle's current hazards. When a vehicle gains 6 or more hazards during the wipeout step, it will wipe out regardless of whose wipeout step it is. With a wipeout step, it is the active vehicle's final step, and this step affects all vehicles, not just the active one. Though vehicles generally wipe out because they start the step with 6 or more hazards, but a vehicle can also wipe out from collisions or other shenanigans giving it enough hazards. If a vehicle wipes out, then perform the following steps. First, perform a flip check. With a flip check, the player of the flipping vehicle will roll a 1 die 6. If the roll is equal to or greater than the vehicle's current gear, nothing will happen. But if the roll is lower than the current gear, the vehicle will immediately flip and suffer 2 hull damage followed by making a medium straight forward. After making this medium straight forward, a collision window will occur to see if the vehicle hits anything. After the collision window occurs, we set the vehicle. So regardless of the flip check, discard all hazards and set its gear back to 1. After resetting, the active vehicle will lose control. 
And regardless of the flip check, the player found clockwise of the active player will pivot the vehicle about the center point of the vehicle to any facing. This will cause another potential collision window. When a vehicle loses control and is pivoted, there is a chance that it could collide with an obstruction, but only if it didn't start the pivot in contact with the obstruction. If playing with audience votes, then wipeouts might give the player use of burn rubber in order to get back into the game for thunderous applause to better avoid the wipeout step in the first place. When it comes to the medium straight connected with the flip check, it ignores all obstructions and vehicles. It also experiences a collision window as well. The flip damage also cannot be avoided. When it comes to audience votes, they represent participation from the viewing public as well as being a positive in-game handicap system. With the awarding of audience votes, they are given to the player, not to any given vehicle. You may also use any means you wish in order to keep track of audience votes and there is no upper limit to how many audience votes a player can possess. With the awarding of audience votes, they are done under certain conditions. When one of the player's vehicles is wrecked, the player will gain one audience vote. When the player starts a round with no active vehicles, the player will gain two audience votes. When the player has a sponsor that awards audience votes under certain conditions, or the scenario being played awards audience votes, the player will receive audience votes as determined by the sponsor and or scenario. But if the player forgets to record their audience votes in a given phase, they cannot record it at a later time. If they forget to record it, those audience votes are lost. With the spinning of audience votes, it can be done before activating a vehicle or passing. But this is a single opportunity situation in the phase. This also extends to the players who do not have any qualifying vehicles. With the opportunity to spend audience votes, it happens when the gear phase begins with the player spending any number of audience votes they wish in order to declare any number of effects. Audience votes are also not carried over from one game to another. Next, we have movement, which will need to be performed in the following steps. First, you'll need to select and then place a movement template touching your chosen vehicle. After placing the template, roll skid dice. With the skid dice, the vehicle gains one hazard for each uncancelled hazard, slide, and spin result. With an uncancelled slide result, place the slide template into the notch found in the movement template. When moving a vehicle to its final position, do so to the far end of the movement template or slide template. Doing so causes a collision window to occur. Once this has been completed, spin the vehicle as if it had an uncancelled spin result. The spin also causes a collision window. When it comes to selecting a movement template, it must be a permitted movement. Permitted movements consist of a template that has a vehicle's current gear listed on it. In regards to the turning, swerve, and veer templates, they are allowed to be flipped. That way, the vehicle is allowed to make a left or right turn. Flipping them also allows for the retention of the template's geometry. But players are not allowed to pre-measure their next movement at any point. With the template placed, have the short edge parallel and centered on the vehicle's front edge. If you are going to be rolling skid dice, you are allowed to roll dice up to the vehicle's handling value. If rolling, all skid dice results must be resolved. But you are also allowed to not roll skid dice at all if you don't want to roll them. With the selected number of skid dice, they must be rolled at least once. 
with the application of the SCED results. Do so in the following order. First, resolve the shelf results. Second, apply hazards from uncancelled hazards, slides, and spin results. Third, place the slide template into the notch on the movement template if there is an uncancelled slide result. Fourth, move the vehicle into its final position. Fifth, spin the vehicle if there is an uncancelled spin result. With the resolving of shelf results, they are done one at a time. With shelf results, they may be used for a number of different purposes. They may be used to cancel and discard a spin, slide, or hazard result, change gears up or down, discard a hazard, or be discarded without effect. With changing gears, vehicles may do so any number of times in a single activation. With changing gears, vehicles normally do so through shift results on skid dice and trivial maneuvers. With changing gears, the hazard is immediately gained unless cancelled by another shift or is otherwise stated. Other effects can result in vehicles changing gears as well. After resolving all the shift results, the vehicle will gain one hazard for each uncancelled hazard, slide, and spin result. Due to the fact that all shifts being used occur before gaining hazards, you cannot avoid gaining hazards from slide or spin results if you resolve a slide or spin in that turn. If you wish to get rid of these hazards, they must be removed in a later movement step. With uncancelled slide results, take the slide template and place its protruding arrow into the movement template notch, also known as a slide exit point. With the slide template, it changes the location of the final position of the vehicle's movement. With the slide result, place the vehicle's side edge parallel and centered on the far edge of the slide template. If the slide result occurs on a straight template, then the player gets to pivot their vehicle 90 degrees in either direction while still centering their vehicle in the slide exit point. If there are multiple uncancelled slide results, they don't result in the application of additional slide templates. The slide template can only be used once per gear phase. But this does not negate the fact that multiple hazards are gained from multiple uncancelled slides. When it comes to that of uncancelled spin results, vehicles that don't have an interrupted final position will pivot their vehicle up to 90 degrees in either direction about its center axis. A pivot of 0 degrees is a legal spin, but the vehicle will still take a hazard for the spin. When pivoting, it can cause a collision to occur if the pivot causes the vehicle to come into contact with an obstruction that the vehicle was not initially in contact with. With this collision, it causes the vehicle to end its movements in an interrupted final position, thus preventing it from completing the spin. Even if the spin is interrupted, the spin will still cause the vehicle to gain a hazard. When it comes to that of multiple spins, it doesn't permit the vehicle to rotate beyond that of 90 degrees. With that said, the vehicle will still gain the hazards from the additional spins. When moving your vehicle to its final position, you will pick it up and place it at the far end of the moving template where the rear of the vehicle is parallel and centered with the far end of the template. If anything overlaps the movement template on the final position, then an interrupted movement occurs. With any hazardous maneuvers that a vehicle experiences while using a movement template, they are indicated by a hazard icon found directly below the shaded gear icon found on the movement template. When selecting a hazardous maneuver, it will merely give the vehicle one hazard. With any trivial maneuvers that a vehicle experiences while using a maneuver template, 
They are indicated by a shift icon found directly below the shaded gear icon found on the movement template. When selecting a trivial maneuver, it will immediately give the vehicle a shift as if the player rolled an additional shift. Once selecting a maneuver template during the movement step, you must use it to move your vehicle. Once selecting a movement template, you may not select another one. If you select a template that is not permitted, then the player to your left will select and place a permitted template for the vehicle. When the other player is selecting the template, you may not roll skit dice for the selected vehicle. However, the free icons found on the movement template must be applied to the vehicle. In regards to reversing, vehicles are allowed to do so as long as the selected vehicle is in gear 1. Any template that is permitted in gear 1 is allowed for a reverse movement. This includes special rules such as Hell for Leather and Trick Driving if the vehicle has those given perks. When placing the movement template while reversing, place it as normal except place the short edge, center, and parallel on the vehicle's rear edge. When reversing a vehicle, you may roll skid dice and change gears if you so wish. When resolving the movement step, the vehicle's final position is such that its front edge is touching the far edge of the movement template. With some game effects, it results in a forced movement which occurs outside of the movement step. When forced to move, the affected vehicle will select the indicated template, move into its final position as an interrupted play, and then the game will return to its normal activation. When the vehicle experiences a forced movement, no skit dice are rolled, the template icons are ignored, and the movement counts as neither being trivial nor hazardous. Forced movements will also always cause a collision window to occur. After rolling the skit dice, you may choose to push it. If you are going to push it, then the player will gain one hazard in order to re-roll any number of skit dice. However, it is not required to re-roll all the skit dice. Unless having a particular perk, you may only push it once per movement step. With obstructions, they consist of vehicles, obstacles, and wrecks. If a movement template or final position overlaps an obstruction, then a collision will occur. The exception to this has to do with if the vehicle starts the movement step already touching an obstruction. Then the vehicle must ignore that obstruction for that given movement step. If the movement template or final position overlaps an obstruction that is not ignored, then movement is interrupted. If movement is interrupted, then the vehicle ends its movement as far down the template as possible, stopping at the point of collision. With interrupted final position, it overrides normal final position. In order to find the vehicle's interrupted final position, move it from its starting position towards its final position until any vehicle part touches an obstruction that is not ignored. This position must touch but not overlap the obstruction and this represents the vehicle's interrupted position. After finding the interrupted final position, then resolve the collision with the obstruction. If the obstruction is not removed due to the collision, then end the vehicle's movement there. When moving the vehicle to its interrupted final position, ensure that it follows the line and is parallel to the direction of travel of the template to that point. Make sure that the vehicle is centered and covers as much of the template as possible. If the vehicle is unable to reach its interrupted final position due to other obstructions found in its way, then move the vehicle back along the template until it is no longer overlapping any obstruction. 
If the vehicle is wider than the movement template, then it will be able to squeeze past obstructions. But this only occurs if the movement template or the final position do not overlap any obstruction. In addition to this, other situations exist that can interrupt movement. This can be with later obstructions as well as causing other vehicles to bump into nearby obstacles that would have squeezed by previously if it was not for the secondary obstruction causing an interruption to occur. In regards to squeezing by, an important thing that needs to be addressed is the notch found in the movement template that is used for the insertion of the slide template. It can be argued that the notch represents a vacant spot in the movement template and allows the vehicle to squeeze by, while others argue that the movement template should be treated as a contiguous piece and the notch only be recognized when it comes time to use the slide template. When it comes time to figuring out how to implement this during any given game, it has proven to be very difficult to figure out. It is also circumstantial at best. If such a situation comes up during your gameplay, defer to the person running the game or the official in charge of the game. You can even reach a consensus among the players on how to best deal with this. With the obstacles, some of them are destructible. With these given obstacles, they are removed from the game after the collision occurs with them. When that occurs, a way is cleared for the vehicle to continue its movement after the collision. If the vehicle's movement is interrupted by a structural obstacle, check to see if the movement is interrupted after the collision. From there, find the vehicle's new interrupted final position. If the vehicle's movement is no longer interfered after the collision, then place the vehicle at its final position. As a result of this, it opens the movement to being interrupted multiple times and to trigger multiple collisions. In regards to wrecks, they are destructible obstacles, take on hazards, can take damage from collisions, and possess a weight that is equal to its weight class before it became a wreck. If a vehicle's movement is interrupted while using a slide template, then slide the vehicle sideways into the obstruction in order to find the interrupted final position. If the movement is interrupted before the vehicle reaches the slide exit position, then find the vehicle's interrupted final position. When it comes to that of a slide, the part of the selected movement template that is found beyond the slide exit point is to be ignored. Only the part of the movement template up to the slide exit point, accompanied by the slide template itself, counts as the vehicle's movement template in determining if its movement is counted as being interrupted. And if rotating the vehicle will cause any part of it to touch or otherwise contact an obstruction has not been ignored, then its movement will come interrupted and this location will become this vehicle's interrupted final position. With movement taken care of, we can now move on to combat. If anything, this is the most entertaining part of the game where you get to shoot at your opponents and hope that they blow up in fiery carnage. In order to engage in combat with fellow players, weaponry will be needed. With these weapons, they possess the following characteristics. First, we have range, which determines how far away the target can be in order for that given weapon to hit. To determine if an enemy vehicle is within range, take the shooting template that is associated with the weapon and see if the target can be shot with that given weapon. Second, we have facing, which determines the arc of fire a given weapon possesses, or the area where it can legally shoot. As a result of its facing, it will determine how the weapon in question can be used. 
It is important to note that with side-mounted weapons, it applies to either side of the vehicle. So it doesn't matter if it's port or starboard, driver's side or shotgun, a side-mounted weapon can be used on either side. This also applies to the upgrades. Third, we have attack dice, which determines how many dice a player gets to roll for a given weapon when attacking with it. With these attack rolls, they typically deal damage to the enemy vehicle. It is important to note, however, that there are exceptions to this, such as the harpoon, where it has specific rules regarding the attack dice. To determine a weapon's range, you will need to use a shooting template, which is listed with the weapon information. When using the shooting template, place it within the given weapon's arc of fire, and then measure the two closest points between the attacker and the target. If any part of the shooting template touches the target, then the target is allowed to be attacked. With the shooting templates, they consist of short range, medium range, long range, double range, small burst, and large burst. When it comes to the shooting templates, some of them can rely upon the movement templates as stand-ins. With these doublings, they consist of the following. Short straight is equal to short range. Medium straight is equal to medium range and long straight is equal to long range. With the double range templates, if you don't have it available, then you can just put the medium range templates and the long range templates end to end. You can also use a 12 inch ruler to represent it. For the burst templates, they are represented by their own special shapes. When it comes to the equipping of the weaponry, you must decide on what the weapon's facing is going to be, and only one facing is allowed for that chosen weapon. But if allowed, you can select duplicates of the same weapon and give those particular weapons a different facing. With this facing, it also determines the weapon's arc of fire. With front-mounted weapons, they possess a front arc of fire. In order to check if the target is within the front arc of fire of your vehicle, place the appropriate shooting template's short edge touching the vehicle's front edge and parallel with its sides extending forward. With placing the template, it must be placed anywhere along the front edge of the vehicle. With rear-mounted weapons, they possess a rear arc of fire. In order to see if a target is within the vehicle's rear arc of fire, place the shooting template's short edge touching the vehicle's rear edge and exactly parallel to its sides, extending backwards. From there, the template may be placed anywhere along the rear edge of the vehicle. It is important to note that there will be times where having the template flush against the fender of the vehicle may not be feasible. Some vehicles may be in possession of large tires such as those seen on monster trucks. In situations like this, then you will measure from the tires instead of the fender. With side-mounted weapons, they possess a side arc of fire. In order to see if a target is within a vehicle's side arc of fire, Place the shooting template's short edge touching either of the vehicle's side edges and exactly parallel with its side extending outward from its sides. From there, the template may be placed anywhere along the side edge of the vehicle. It is important to note that there will be times where having the template flush against the vehicle's sides may not be feasible. Some vehicles may be in possession of large tires and those seen on monster trucks. In situations like this, then you will be measuring from the edge of the tire instead of the respective fender. With turret mounted and crew fired weapons, they possess a 360 degree arc of fire. With a 360 degree arc of fire weapon, 
You may place the shooting template in any direction as long as the short edge is touching the vehicle. With each weapon, it possesses an attack dice value as represented by a D6 number. When they are used, they are done during the attack step. When engaging in the attack step, you'll need to declare your targets and check if they are within range of your weapons. For the targets that are within range, roll attack dice equal to the weapon's attack dice value. If the weapon is designed to be more collision based and not shooting based, such as the ram, then a collision window will occur. From there, the target will get the chance to evade. For each uncancelled damage roll, the target will receive damage. In order for the attack roll to hit, then the attacker will need to roll a 4, 5, or 6. When a natural 6 is rolled, then it counts as a critical hit. With critical hits, they cause the target to suffer one additional hit. With this critical hit, it counts as a normal hit for the same weapon. Critical hits also count as an additional hit that will need to be evaded by the target. When it comes time for you to attack, you must declare a single target for each weapon being used. So if you have multiple weapons and multiple targets, you are capable of dividing your attack or to have all your weapons go to a single target. You are also not required to fire all of your weapons into a single target. But when attacking a single target with multiple weapons, then you will roll all the attack dice simultaneously. What allows this to occur is that each weapon may select a target independently. But in order to shoot a target, you must make sure that the target is within the weapon's arc of fire. The attacker must also measure the chosen weapon's shooting range before they can declare a target. And in regards to valid targets, only other vehicles are considered valid unless the scenario being played states otherwise. The attacker is also allowed to attack both friendly and enemy vehicles. In addition to this, weapons or effects that have the last rule, if uncancelled hits remain after evasion, it will also give the target one hazard. When making an attack, the attack may only attack any number of times up to their vehicle's crew value. In addition to this, each weapon a vehicle possesses may only be selected once during a single attack step. If the vehicle in question has multiple copies of the same weapon, then it may only attack once with each copy of said weapon as long as the attacks do not exceed the vehicle's crew value. With each vehicle, it counts as being automatically armed with an unlimited number of handguns. These handguns are classified as being crew-fired and benefits from a 360-degree arc of fire. During the attack step, if the active vehicle is touching an obstruction at the start of the attack step, then the vehicle is considered distracted and thus cannot make any shooting attacks or drop any of its dropped weapons. Along the same vein, if a shooting template overlaps an obstruction before reaching and touching its target, then the target is considered behind cover and will benefit from that. But at least 50% of the target vehicle has to be visible to the attacking vehicle for the target vehicle to be fired upon. But if less than 50% of the vehicle is visible to the attacking vehicle, then the attacking vehicle cannot fire upon it directly. If you choose to shoot a target that has benefit of cover, it causes the attack to suffer a negative 1 penalty to its attack dice. With that said, critical hits still occur in the natural 6 even when dealing with cover. After making the attack roll, calculate the total number of hits. From there, the target will make a single evade attempt. 
in order to evade, the target vehicle will roll evade dice equal to its current gear. In order to cancel out the hits from the attack dice, you will need to roll 6 plus on the evade dice to cancel out the hits. It is important to note that one successful evade roll will cancel out one successful attack roll. It is important to note that the target vehicle does not evade each weapon separately. Instead, it evades them together. So your combined evade dice roll is against the combined hits after the attack dice are rolled. After evading, each of the uncancelled hits will cause the target to suffer one hull point of damage. With this damage tracking, use whatever means you like in order to keep track of the vehicle's hull damage. When a vehicle loses all of its hull points, then this vehicle will become wrecked and ceases being a vehicle. With some vehicles, they have special rules attached to them that only trigger if the weapon damages or otherwise hits its target. In regards to these special rules and the evade rules, the evade rules will cancel the standard hits before they cancel the special hits after being triggered by the special rules. If there are hits that trigger different special rules, then the target vehicle will get to decide what the order of operation is for resolving cancellation of the hits. So, for a condensed version of this, the attack step consists of 1. Declaring a target and checking if it's in range. 2. Rolling attack dice equal to the weapon's attack dice value. 3. Collision window. 4. Evade. And 5. Damage. When a vehicle is wrecked, then you will need to follow the wrecking procedure steps. First, the vehicle that is going to become wrecked will skid to a halt. So if the vehicle was in motion before wrecking or was able to move, then it will no longer move forward. From there, the vehicle will perform a short straight movement. If there are obstructions or another vehicle in the way of this short straight, then a collision is going to occur. After resolving the collision window, reset the vehicle. So reduce the gear to 1 and discard all hazards that the vehicle might possess. After resetting, perform an explosion check. With an explosion check, roll 1 die 6 plus all the vehicle's ammo. If the result is 6 or higher, then the vehicle will explode. After performing the explosion check, indicate that the vehicle has been wrecked and leave it in play where the vehicle was wrecked. If the vehicle that is getting wrecked is involved in a collision as it is getting to a halt, remove it from play after resolving all of these steps found in the wrecking process. This also occurs during the collision step. When your vehicle explodes, make an attack with a 360 degree arc of fire against each vehicle found within medium range of the exploding vehicle. For each vehicle found within range of this firing arc, treat it as a separate attack with the blast special rule in play. After determining if the vehicle explodes or not, if it explodes, then roll a number of attack dice based upon the weight class of the vehicle. If the vehicle is lightweight, then roll 2 die 6. If the vehicle is medium weight, then roll 4 die 6. If the vehicle is heavyweight, then roll 6 die 6. With the damage from these explosions, it is possible for the vehicles within its blast radius to evade. After the explosion occurs, remove the vehicle from play. With this removal from the game, it represents the loss of the vehicle for the player. With that said, it does not mean that the vehicle or the player is permanently removed from the game. 
If you're playing with audience votes, then said player can spread their audience votes to respond to the rec vehicle as long as they have the necessary audience votes to respond. If your vehicle crashes into another vehicle or into a bit of scenery, then a collision will occur. With collisions, it will interrupt normal play and are resolved in the next collision window as addressed earlier. Collisions can also occur only during the collision window. In regards to collisions, resolve them before continuing the vehicle's activation or forced movement. If you think the two vehicles have collided, then you should go through the timing steps and trigger the collision only when the collision window is indicated within the step order. With the resolving of a collision, engage in the following steps. First, determine the orientation of the collision. From there, the active vehicle will declare the reaction followed by the passive vehicle or obstacle declaring its reaction. With that taken care of, roll any smash attacks followed by rolling for evasion if applicable. From there, apply all uncancelled hits. With the hits applied, apply the appropriate hazards. With every collision, it has an orientation. In order to determine the orientation, you'll need to check the relative facing of the vehicle involved. With the orientations, they consist of head-on, T-bone, and tailgate. With a head-on collision, the point of contact for both vehicles will need to be along the front edge of the vehicle. With a T-bone orientation, the point of contact for either vehicle will need to be along its side. With a tailgate orientation, the point of contact for either vehicle is along the rear edge. With the tailgate orientation, if the front vehicle is at a higher gear than the other vehicle, then both vehicles will automatically declare and evade as their reaction. This is due to the fact that the front vehicle is moving much faster than the active vehicle, causing it to move away too fast for the active vehicle to ram it. With that said, it is possible for an orientation to be unclear. If the point of contact for a vehicle is on the corner of its front and side edges, then the point of contact counts as being front end. If the point of contact for the vehicle is on the corner of its rear and side edges, then the point of contact counts as being side edge. If the active vehicle is in reverse, then the vehicle's normally rear edge is considered its new front edge. This alteration will last until the active vehicle begins to move forward once again. When it comes to that of collisions, the players who are controlling the colliding vehicles must declare what their reaction will be. With their reaction declaration, it will either be a smash attack or evade. This starts with the player that caused the collision. From there, the order of operation moves clockwise around the table. With those who declare a smash attack, then they must roll to attack. When declaring a smash attack, it prevents the vehicle from evading other incoming smash attacks during the same collision. When declaring evade, it prevents the vehicle from smashing back against any other vehicle in the same collision. Once all of the collisions have been resolved, it comes time to take care of hazards. For the vehicles that declare the smash attack, they gain two hazards. For the vehicles that declare evade, they gain one hazard. If a vehicle collides with an obstruction, the obstruction will always declare a smash attack. These also always count as being a head-on collision where the obstacle counts as being in gear zero and has a weight class according to the type of obstacle it is. Unless one or both participants wreck or wipe out, then both participants remain in contact. When rolling attack dice for a smash attack, it is dependent upon the collision orientation as well as the relative weights of the participants in the collision. 
If both participants choose to engage in a smash attack, then each participant will have to calculate their attacks separately. If the calculation of a smash attack results in zero or fewer attack dice, then the vehicle will not be able to roll any of them. With that said, this still counts as a vehicle making a smash attack. When calculating the attack dice for a smash attack, use the following calculations to figure out the number of attack dice being used. With a hail on collision, use the sum of both vehicles' current gears. With a T1 collision, use the active vehicle's current gear. With a tailgate collision, use the difference in current gears using the faster participant's current gear minus lower participant's current gear to a minimum of zero. There is also the pile driver attack, which is typically associated with war rigs. With the pile driver attack, it may only be declared against a lighter weight vehicle and it counts as a smash attack in all regards with some additional rules. After resolving the collision of a pile driver attack, the controller of the attacking vehicle moves the target vehicle anywhere within short range of its original position. The target vehicle is then pivoted to face any direction as long as it doesn't collide with the active vehicle again during the movement step. If the vehicle also has a ram on the appropriate facing, then the pile driver attack also benefits from the ram's special rule. The weight class, and thus the weight differential between the two vehicles, is also an important factor to incorporate into the calculation. If a vehicle is two classes heavier than its opponent, then it gets a plus four to its attack dice. If it is one class heavier, then the vehicle gets a plus two to its attack dice. But if the vehicle is one class lighter than its opponent, then it gets a minus one to its attack dice. If it is two classes lighter, then the vehicle gets a minus two to its attack dice. Besides vehicles, obstacles also possess weight to them. With solid and movable obstacles, such as buildings, walls, or boulders, they are considered heavyweight. With less substantial obstacles, such as oil barrels and crash barriers, they are considered middleweight. With minor features, such as fruit stands, crates, furniture, and workers carrying glass, they are considered to be lightweight. After calculating the value for the smash attack, it is time for the evading vehicle to make its evade attempt. With hits made for a smash attack in the collision, they resolve after all the smash attacks and evade dice have been rolled. With whatever damage that occurs from the smash attack, they occur to both vehicles simultaneously. Regarding the weapons that are used in the game, they all have a cost value as measured in cans, with some of them even coming with build slot requirements. There are even some weapons that come with special rules and conditions, as well as that only trigger if that weapon hits or damages its target. With these attacks, the player will need to specify which dice represent which attacks. In regards to drop weapons, they may never be front-mounted on the vehicle. When it comes to that of using a dropped weapon, only one may be dropped per attack step or listed weapon. In order to attack with a dropped weapon, you will need to place the appropriate shooting template within the weapon's given arc of fire. In regards to drop weapon templates, they do not count as overlapping the active vehicle. In regards to drop weapons, leave the drop weapon template in place on the tabletop when the vehicle next moves. With these templates, if they overlap a vehicle, its movement template, or its final position, then the affected player will need to resolve the effects of that drop weapon in the vehicle's next collision window. When resolving the drop weapon template, don't roll attack dice. Instead, leave the template on the tabletop until otherwise instructed. Vehicles affected by drop weapons may evade any hits that occur from that given weapon. If multiple drop weapon templates are stacked atop of one another, then they will need to be resolved in order from the top of the stack to the bottom. In regards to some weapons and upgrades, they have a limited number of ammunition or fuel to go with them.
With these weapons and upgrades, they begin the game with a set number of ammo. With this ammo, it is specific for that given weapon or upgrade, and they cannot be discarded from another weapon or upgrade. Before making such an attack, discard the ammo from said weapon or upgrade. If said weapon or upgrade cannot discard or otherwise spend an ammo, then said weapon or upgrade cannot be used. If you are playing with audience votes, then they are allowed to be spent on reloading or replenishing ammo. With that taken care of, we can move on to discussing vehicles. When constructing a vehicle, the player should agree upon the team size that each player gets before each game. With this team size, it represents the total number of cans that are available for each player to build and equip their vehicle. With these cans, they will represent the points one has available to spend on building their team with a good range existing between 25 and 100 per player. With that said, 50 is standard, so it represents the default value for each player. When being spent, they can be used to buy vehicles, perks, upgrades, weapons, and other costs of building the team. When building your vehicle, it can be fun to personalize it and make it your own, so feel free to give it or its driver a name. From there, choose your sponsor, which represents the people who are supporting you during the game. Depending upon which sponsor you choose will determine which perk classes you will get for your vehicle. In addition to perk classes, the sponsor itself will also come with its own set of perks. With these perks, they represent the special abilities a vehicle can perform during the game. It will also be around this time where you will choose what type of vehicle or vehicles you will be using for your given team. It is important to note that what sponsor you choose will determine which vehicles you are allowed to choose. This is due to some sponsors only supporting certain types of vehicles. With your sponsor and vehicles chosen, you can start adding weapons to your team, noting any build slots the weapon might have, accompanied by declaring the facing for each weapon. From there, add any upgrades desired, noting any build slots that the upgrade might have. Regarding build slots, they represent specialty housing on the vehicle used by specific weapons and upgrades for that vehicle. Once that is completed, go ahead and add any desired perks you want your vehicle to have from the permitted perk classes. With each vehicle, it possesses a maximum gear value that the vehicle cannot exceed and represents how fast the vehicle can go. It also possesses a handling value that will affect how many skid dice the vehicle is allowed to roll. There is also a crew value for each vehicle that indicates how many attacks the vehicle is allowed to make during the attack step. Each vehicle also possesses a weight class as well as the hull value. With the hull value, it indicates how much damage the vehicle can sustain before becoming inoperable. It can be seen as being the vehicle's hit points. With hull points, they are equal to the vehicle's hull value and are reduced by attacks and collisions that occur during play. And once the hull points have reached zero, the vehicle becomes wrecked. With each vehicle, it possesses a number of build slots assigned to it. With some weapons and upgrades, they require a build slot in order for it to be fitted onto a vehicle. And when these build slots are filled up, then no more of these given weapons or upgrades are allowed to be purchased for that given vehicle. When arming a vehicle, you must declare a single facing for the selected weapon. The selected facing will determine the weapon's arc of fire. When it comes to that of side mounted facings for the chosen weapon or upgrade, it counts as being mounted on both sides of the vehicle. 
So when it comes time to use or otherwise deploy the weapon, you get to choose if it's going to be on the driver's side or the passenger side of the vehicle. With upgrades, they are add-ons to the given vehicle. Some of them take up belt slots, while others do not. In regards to the purchasing of perks, the vehicles can only buy perks from the perk classes connected with their chosen sponsor. There is no limit to the number of perks a vehicle can possess, or a perk can only be purchased once for any given vehicle. When it comes to perks, some of them are vehicle specific. These vehicle specific perks are based upon the vehicle that has been selected. There is also the possibility that a vehicle can have a trailer, though this is typically associated with war rigs. In regard to these trailers, they are in possession of the keywords trailer, restricted, and stowage. With trailers, they are classified as lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. With lightweight trailers, they may be purchased by lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight vehicles. With middleweight trailers, they may only be purchased by middleweight and heavyweight vehicles. With heavyweight trailers, they may only be purchased by heavyweight vehicles. But regardless of the weight class of the trailer, once it is equipped to a vehicle, it will possess the weight class of the vehicle itself. And since Gaslands is a tabletop game, the use of terrain, scenery, and physical obstructions will help improve your gameplay. This is because having physical items on the table that you have to deal with and consider when moving and shooting will make things more interesting as the game unfolds. With this terrain, it can be manufactured in pre-painted items all the way to improvised material you have around the house or otherwise have easy access to. Use whatever works for you and allows you to play the game. In addition to this, it is important to talk about surface. With surfaces, they are types of terrain that describe the conditions of the ground for which the vehicle will be traveling upon. They do not count as obstructions. With the game's surfaces, if any part of the vehicle's movement template or final position overlap a road surface, then the vehicle may discard one hazard at the end of its movement. But if any part of the vehicle's movement template or final position overlaps rough terrain, then the vehicle will gain one hazard at the end of its movement step. If any part of the vehicle's movement template or final position overlaps treacherous terrain, then the vehicle will gain two hazards at the end of its movement step. If any part of the vehicle's movement template or final position overlaps the edge of the designated play area, then the vehicle is disqualified and removed from play unless the scenario being played specifies otherwise. Disqualified vehicles do not count as being wrecked. With the obstacles that are being used in the game, they always count as obstructions. They are also in possession of a weight class. Heavyweight obstacles are solid and removable features. Middleweight obstacles are less substantial features. Lightweight obstacles are fragile features like the egos of those who enjoy rage quitting. In regards to obstacles, they have the possibility of being tall. If you are going to have tall obstacles, determine which obstacles are tall at the beginning of the game. A target vehicle also cannot be targeted if the shooting template of the active vehicle overlaps a tall obstacle before reaching the target. It's also possible for obstacles to be destructible. With these destructible obstacles, determine which ones are destructible at the beginning of the game. If a vehicle is involved in a collision with one of these destructible obstacles, remove it from the game after resolving the collision. Besides being destructible, it is possible for an obstacle to be volatile. 
This could be due to the obstacle being a gas canister, an ammo dump, an overly sensitive individual who's angry at society because it's not playing out according to how they think the world should be, or any other reason why something will go boom. With these volatile obstacles, determine which ones are volatile. When your vehicle collides with one of these volatile obstacles, roll a die before declaring your reaction. If the roll is 4 or higher, then the volatile object will explode. This explosion counts as a blast attack against every vehicle found within medium range of the exploding obstacle. Calculating the attack dice, base them on the weight class of the obstacle and treat it as if it was an exploding wreck. From there, remove it from the game. There is also the option to have ramps in the game. If we're going to have ramps, determine which terrain pieces count as ramps. From there, determine the ramps entry point. When dealing with ramps, if the move-in template or final position overlaps any edge other than the entry edge, the vehicle will have to stop at that edge and you will have to roll 1 die 6. If your roll is equal to or under the vehicle's current gear, then the vehicle will make a jump. But if your roll is over the current gear, then your vehicle will tumble. If you're choosing to jump, ignore obstacles during the jump or tumble. If the vehicle's final position overlaps an obstruction, then move the vehicle backwards along the movement template by the minimum amount in order to avoid having it overlap any obstruction. When making the jump, if your vehicle is in gear 1 through 4, then use a medium straight for that jump. But if your vehicle gear is 5 or 6, then use a long straight. During the jump itself, the vehicle will ignore all terrain and other vehicles in play. When the jump is completed, a collision window will occur. The vehicle also gains two hazards and one audience vote for the jump. But when the vehicle tumbles, the vehicle will have to make a short straight movement forward, ignoring all terrain and other vehicles when doing so. Once the short straight is complete, a collision window will occur. From there, the vehicle will suffer four die six damage and gain six hazards. So with that said, that's what you will need to know about the basics of Gaslands. If you like this episode, feel free to give it a like. And if you want to stay up to date on any future episodes we upload, go ahead and subscribe. You can also support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash checkpointgaming. See you in the next episode and happy gaming.